I'm Lean Printer, and this is The Motivated Classroom. Hello, bonjour, falcha, welcome, bienvenue to this episode 52 of the Motivated Classroom podcast. Merci beaucoup. Thank you so much to everyone for joining me. Dankjewel, as you might say in Dutch. And uh, a very special dankjewel to the listener who sent in all the different ways to say thank you in many different languages. And I'll try and get to as many of those with some good pronunciation. So thank you so much for doing that. And a massive, massive Guramila Mahagav, which means thank you. Thank you in Irish. To all of you listeners and patrons, there's now 44 patrons of the podcast. That blows my mind. I genuinely didn't think anyone would become a patron. And I mean that uh, really sincerely. So thank you so much to all of you for supporting the podcast every month, for buying me a coffee or a bag of crisps, which I love once a month. I really appreciate it. And all of you who supported with the buy me a coffee last week, the podcast hit 75,000 downloads which honestly, I can't really wrap my head around. There's people from all over the world listening to this and I'm getting messages from everywhere. I do try and get back to people within 24 hours, but right now I'm back to teaching full time again in the classroom. I've also got a new job here at the International School of Lausanne as the teaching and learning research lead. So getting teachers involved in research and using it in their classroom. So I'm pretty busy. So if I don't get back to you, please be patient or maybe send me a little reminder because I get messages on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, by email. Just send me a little reminder if you, you don't hear back for me in a few days and I will get back to you, I promise. But of course, it's the Motivated Classroom. So we need to start with some Irish, as Gwelga in Irish. And today the phrase is Anwil Ciadagum. Now, have a think and see, can you relate that to any of your languages? Anwil Ciadagum. And no, it has nothing to do with wanting or will. Well, it kind of does actually, because it means can I do or can I have permission to do? And this is one of the phrases that we nearly always learn in Ireland as the first thing, because you say, on will cadagum dolgaji on leheris, which means can I go to the bathroom? On will cadagum literally translates as can I have permission to or can I have, can I do this thing? So can I essentially on will cad agum. And I won't spell it out for you. You need to go and look on the program notes for how those crazy words look when they're written down. So thank you so much to everyone. All right, let's get straight into this. Last week, we talked all about classroom jobs and there was a really good response to that. Huge amounts of people listened to it in the first few days. I think there was like 700 downloads just in the first couple of days. So I know these practical episodes are really useful for teachers, but I do want to put this all in with a massive caveat that these are just what works for me. And these are just ideas, things I've built up over time, of course, listening to the research on motivation and engagement and trying to apply it. And I'm glad some of you are getting some from, from that, but I bet I could learn from your routines and the things you do too. So if you're listening to this going, oh, I need to do all of those things. Don't think like that. Maybe just try one new thing. Try putting something into place and see how that goes for you. But I am certainly not trying to come across as I know everything you need to do exactly as I say. Absolutely not. And I really hope you don't listen to it like that. These are just me sharing some of my ideas. And if they work for you, wonderful. And if they don't, no problem. Share what works for you and let me know. So on the back of last week's episode on classroom jobs, quite a few people were asking me, could you do one about how you set up for the year? How do you get things in place? I know you've talked about routines before, but what other things do you do to set up for a year that's going to be based on success? 
And that was a really good point. So here in front of me, I have a list of 12 things to set up the year with success for a motivated classroom. Now, you know me and counting. It may not be 12, could be 11, could be 13, could be 14. Let's see where the journey takes us. So the first one is don't do it all in one class. So don't do all of your routines and your rules and your expectations just all on the first day and then just think that they're done, they're embedded. No one needs to look at those again. These need to take place over time gradually. And if you just hand out a load of rules and expectations on the first day, especially if they've not been co-created with the class, well, right from the word go, you are doing what's called in the research autonomy suppressive behaviours. So you are suppressing their autonomy. You're not giving them any say and you're making them say I'm in charge what I say goes and immediately although we may think you know I want them to be on my side in terms of classroom management I need to come across a bit strict at the beginning there's a way to do that with still including their ideas and I'm going to talk about that in a minute but if you just go in there and say here's the rules here's the expectations immediately they're feeling like I've no control no freedom in here and you're you're kind of starting off on the wrong foot even though you think you're doing the right thing so if you do have rules and expectations which we all have routines for classroom management let them come in gradually don't try and get them all on the first day maybe a few of the important ones happen day one or two and then a few more the next day so I'll talk about that a bit in my first class this year with my youngest group who are my year eights I had a couple of students who were pushing the boundaries, even though we were co-creating our class constitution. There was a couple of interactions that were just didn't sit that well with me. And I addressed it in class in a general way by saying, first of all, OK, we've talked about the importance of respect, but personally, I'm not feeling massively respected right now. And so I don't really feel like I'm safe and I don't really feel like I'm having fun now you may not realise that your behaviours have that impact on me, but they do. And I want to leave here and in the staff room say, oh, it's such a fun class. That's how I present to them. And then they kind of think, oh, okay, my behaviours do impact others. And some other stuff happened in the class. And I had to speak to two students after class. And I was pretty strict with them. I wasn't like saying, you may not do that in my class. But I tried to understand the behaviour, what was going on, why was it happening. But then I just kind of said, that can't happen in here. We are a collective, we work together, we're a community, we are Spanioland, we have a constitution that you wrote and we respect each other and I'm afraid I didn't feel respected and I don't think the other students did too when those interactions happened. So that can't happen in here. Is that okay? And they're like, yeah, okay, that's fine. And I said, well, who came up with these rules about respect? Was it me or was it you guys? And they were like, no, we did, we did. And I said, "Okay, so if you come up with those rules, I feel at the very least you need to live by the things you came up. And in the next class, they were amazing. They were so good. Now, let's see what happens today. And I guess that ties into my next point is that I posted this on Twitter this week. Relationships take ages to build. They don't, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. That famous phrase takes a long time. You're not going to have great relationships on day one or on day three or on day five. It's going to take time and they take effort on both of your parts. We know this with our girlfriends and boyfriends and our partners and our brothers and our sisters and parents. Relationships take effort and you got to do it with your class as well. It's not going to happen immediately. So those interactions I had with those students That might take some time to really embed and hopefully today goes better again and I can catch them doing something good and build on that. So the first one really is don't try and do all your rules and expectations in one class. Spread them out. 
And that ties into number two, which is about the routines. Now, we spoke about these already. I have routines for everything. But definitely you want your first routines to be how you enter and leave class. So they would be the very first ones I set up. Those ones do happen on day one. Personally, I like my students to line up outside, wait for me. I come to the door. They give me the class password, the Spanish word. I look them in the eye. I say hello and they walk in. And that might mean class starts one minute late sometimes. That's okay. For me, that is a better way to start the class. They know they're coming to a Spanish speaking place and they're getting respect from me. And as time goes on, they'll realize they'll always be a task when they walk in. Nine times out of ten, it is individual reading on their own. Now, of course, with the total beginners, they're not ready to use and read a book on their own right now. They're just they don't know any Spanish yet. So that will come in for them in two or three months time. And so we'll have other things. But for every other class, pretty much we start the class with five minutes of silent reading and they know that immediately when they walk in, even with my oldest students. And also in that first or second class, I want to give out my first few jobs. So in the last episode, I talked about all the different jobs. The very first ones for me are the funny ones like door and window. And I also want someone to write down the list of jobs. But then I'll gradually bring in the who distributes the whiteboards and the paper. And then maybe in week two and three, I'll bring in the security guard for the password so that if I can't go and control it, they can. And I'll even go over and just check. So I'm still standing there by the door with the security guard is checking the password. And then I'll gradually bring in my profe numero dos, my second teacher, who will kind of just generally help me out with stuff and will tell the class the password to get in and help people out. So all of these might come in a bit more gradually. So that's my second one about setting up the year. Routines, routines, routines. Give them time. The third one is choral responses. To set up well for the year, I bring my choral responses are part of my routines absolutely specifically with the beginners classes, the first two to three years, but also with my older students, they just have way less of them. So with my beginners classes, there's loads of choral responses. So things like if I say clase, which means class in Spanish, they say si. And if I say something like listos, which means ready, they'll say si, listos, yes, ready. And there's loads of these. I've ones about being quiet, about what I do when I clap my hands. And they enjoy this. They like it. They're learning new Spanish words, but I need a variety of them. So it's not always the same one that they get bored of. So I want five or six different choral responses and they really enjoy these as the year goes on. Some other ones um, that we might use is I've, I've used in the past a little thing where I kind of say, para pa, 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 par, and then they'll say hay que escuchar we have to listen so that those might come in throughout the year if you really feel they're not listening very well I know in French French colleagues of mine use oe oe il faut écouter and then they'll they'll do that so the teacher might just she, everything's going crazy and the teacher just says oe oe and then the whole class goes il faut écouter you have to listen so if you can come up with these they work really nicely you don't need to use them every day it doesn't need to always be the same one but have a variety so I like to have three or four I have like classe I have listos I have the listening one and then I have when I clap my hands twice they put up their hand and they close their mouths so all of these things help with my oldest students these ones are don't really work that well but they enjoy them so I'll still do if I've got a bigger class of older students I might still use the one classe and then they'll just say si senor as in like you know joking around in a military style but they know that my that is not my style so it's kind of a joke and then they're, they're listening sometimes I'll just say the number of their year group so right now I have year 12 so I might say the word 12 and then they'll all say yes 12 and then they're listening and it, just one of those and it immediately gets them all to listen, the choral response. So try those out and get those in nice and early. Point four about setting up for the year is about folders and organisation and notebooks. 
you will have a specific system of notebooks and folders that you use. For me personally, in my beginner class, they have a notebook and sometimes in year two, but generally in year two, who for me are year nines, their age about 13, 14. In that year group, which is their second year of learning Spanish, they get a folder, a ring binder. And a ring binder is used for organizing their notes and they have five sections. So some teachers do ask me about this and say, well, why do you have them organizing their notes in ring binders and why not just in a little notebook? And that's absolutely fine if that works for you. But at the school here in Lausanne, I'm also the approaches to learning skills coordinator. So these are skills like social skills, collaboration skills, organizational skills, self-management skills, thinking skills. And we embed these in all of our units. We must explicitly teach at least two of these skills that we have decided on as a school that are important throughout our units. And so I use this as one of my self-management skills, being organised and putting things in certain places with different colours and different sections. And the research would show us that by being organised, we can really help with the learning experience because it releases some of that cognitive load instead of you, you thinking about where is that sheet and where did I put it and oh, I can't find this thing. Your brain's not available now for learning, but when it's organised, your brain is available for learning. You can find the section you need really quickly. Of course, when they're age 13, 14, they'll struggle with this and you need to explicitly teach it. And one thing I started doing in the last few years, they used to just have these ring binders and they would take them home or go in their bag. And as the year went on, of course, they were getting lost, they were getting destroyed, they were carrying way too much stuff home. And really, they get so little homework or they get so little contact with the language that they need to do that they'll need that ring binder. They live in my classroom. So I have a shelving unit with four shelves and I store all the folders, the ring binders there and they leave it there as they walk out class and as they walk into class, part of the routine is they grab their folder, they walk past the books, they grab their book to read and they sit down. The sections of the folder that I have are, I have vocabulary, so new words, and then I have important phrases. These are kind of like phrases of the week or kind of idiomatic expressions. Then I have a section for writing. So their section for writing is when they do written work, which is part of what we have to do is help them with the writing right from the beginning. It's just part of the system we work in. So they write things and they'll get feedback on it. And that goes in there and their comments and their own self-assessments and how they're trying to improve the writing is all in that one section. And then the fourth section is usually just about me and my class. So these are about things they're learning about each other, me and my classmates, different things, you know, that he plays tennis, that she likes badminton, that he's a gamer, because we're building a sense of community. And then the last section is just called tarea. In Spanish, tarea means homework or tasks. So tasks like that they do. So if they get some kind of task they have to do, some kind of worksheet or whatever, and I do very few of those, but whatever task it may be, it could be a reading text or something, or you know what I mean, handouts, they all go in that section. Now, that is not to say that we spend a lot of time using these folders. They may only write two or three words in the whole class because we are really focused on listening and comprehensible input by listening. But there's lots of reading. So they need somewhere to put those readings in. They need somewhere to put the stories. All of those things go in there in their folder. And it's just helping them to get organized. And what I've noticed, which is lovely, is some of the students now, I've, they'll go away for a couple of years to another teacher or, and then I'll see them again as they come back to do the diploma when they're in year 11 or 12 or 13. And they'll still have the same folder and they'll still have the notes and the phrases they took down in year eight, four years ago. 
And what they do every summer, I tell them, is go through your folder, throw away or recycle everything that you don't need, like all the tasks that you did, any worksheets or whatever, but keep the stuff that you feel is important. The good notes, the the maybe there's some pop-up grammar in there that they've written down, or maybe there's important phrases or idioms. And they still have those from four or five years ago. It's amazing. And you're helping them with their organisation. Now, I can hear you listening there going, but Liam, how on earth do you get time for this? Like, do you have five hours a week with them? No, absolutely not. We have four 45 minute lessons. That's what I get. And yes, this takes time, but it is time you get back because if you spend the time on this organisation and they become a little bit more organised and they can find the stuff they're looking for, that saves you so much time in the future. And that brings me on to my next point. So number five is things that they need to have in class. So pens, I am a real stickler for having at least two different colours of pens and they sometimes get annoyed with me with this. But again, I've looked at some research around the use of colours in the brain and just one colour of text on a page is less efficient than having a couple of colours or using two different colours or one colour for Spanish or one for English and whatever way they want to do it. So I say they've got to have two pens and it just helps with their organisation as well. It looks neater and they're able to see things better. Now, of course, some students doesn't work for them if they have their own system. That's fine. But they do need to bring a pencil case and pens every day. And that becomes part of our routines as well. Next point, number six, is where we sit. Setting up for the year, the seating plans are really important. Now, the way personally that I do this until I get to know the students, it takes me time to get to know who's going to work well with who and how it's going to go together. But right at the beginning, the way I simply do this is first few classes, sit wherever you want. And I very quickly get to see who can't work well together and who struggles to concentrate. And then I split them up and I seat them specifically. Now, it's often done just quite simply, I will mix up the boys and the girls. Now, of course, with our view to much more inclusivity in the classroom, I also say at that point when At the beginning of the year, I say, if you would prefer to identify as non-binary or you would prefer to identify as boy or girl, whichever you prefer, you're open to do that here. And then if I break things up into, say, girls and boys, you can choose which side you want to go on or you can just choose to be somewhere in the middle. And I'm trying to navigate this a little bit. I realise that this is something for me to work on. So these are gradual steps that I'm trying to go forward with this. It's also important for me that they get to know each other in the class and they learn about each other. So they'll sit beside the same person for a couple of weeks, maybe three, two, three weeks, and then I mix it up. They get to know someone else, then we mix it up again. But I am specifically placing them. Now, there's quite a lot of research around what's called the Kohler effect. And that's essentially that if you work with someone who is slightly higher in ability than you, you are going to pull yourself up to their level. And they've seen this across loads of studies and particularly with swimmers and athletes who would on their personal best when they're running on their own, they can sometimes beat that personal best when they're in a relay team. And the same has been found in schools. So what I'm trying to do is you don't want your inadverted commas strongest student with your inadverted commas weakest. I don't like that language, but people understand it. You don't want those students together. What you want is people who are close in ability. So you may have two students who are maybe not doing that great they're maybe struggling a bit but one is a bit got a bit more understanding than the other and they're working together and then a few weeks later you're switching and now that student who was the stronger in that group is with someone else who he might or she might be the slightly weaker student so you're mixing things up but you want students who are close in ability so where they sit is really vital and you are in control of that and if they complain and say no I want to sit with him or her you have to say 
This is I am an experienced professional and I really feel this is going to help you and I want you to get to know other people and it will switch in a couple of weeks. I promise we'll move things up and you'll get to work with different people. And they're always moving around the class anyway. Loads of the activities are stand up, move to another table and sit down. So they're moving around and talking to everybody all the time. The next part of setting up the year is the reading journals. So this comes in maybe day three or four, depending on the class. And this is done with everyone except the beginners group. They'll get a reading journal and I've talked about this before in the reading episodes, but they need to have their name on that and they need to make sure that they know how to do it. Taking a phrase out and then reflecting on the phrase as to why they chose it. No corrections, no grading, just a conversation with you and the teacher. But that's the next part of the setup for the year. And I'll give them a task to do that and I'll check, I'll walk around one by one to see that they're all have done the first one correctly. So we're on the right track. The next one, I think I'm on number eight, could be 12, who knows, is the reading marathon book list. Now, you will know in my class, reading is so important. Leer es poder. And I got this wonderful idea about the marathon from Margarita Perez Garcia, who I met at a conference in Ajon a few years ago. And she gets her students to have all their books in a little plastic pocket stuck on the wall and they pick them out as they come into the class. And you're trying to see, can anyone read 26 books in a year? It's really tough, actually. I think some of my best classes last year, they got to maybe 12 or 13. But getting to 26 is hard because a marathon is hard. And a marathon is 26 miles. So that's the whole thing. They're trying to see, can they get that far in the year? So we're going to try that again. The students love this and how they do it for me in my class is what works because every student has their own computer or laptop in our school. We're very lucky with that. If you don't have that, then in your school, this could, of course, be done on paper if you prefer. In my school, the way they do it is they get their book and they go to an Excel document, a Google sheet. And in that they have their name, the date, the name of the book. And then they have the date that they returned it. And then they have how many stars they gave the book out of five and they write a comment. So I have an Excel sheet with all of their comments about the books. I don't correct it. It's just up to them how to write it. And of course, other people then can read and say, oh, loads of people gave this book four stars. So I'm going to take that one next. And I use it the following year to show students when they're thinking about what book they want to get. That's how I keep track of it. And they need to be shown how to do this. So it takes time. You show it on the board. They all take their book. You make sure that it's projected on the board. They start writing in the details in the Excel and you go and check that everything is being done right. And then we continue with the class. So this is shown specifically and explicitly in class. Now, something most of you are probably working with is Google Classroom. And this needs to be shown as well. So this all takes time and it feels frustrating, but it is worth doing. So Google Classroom, they join. I check that they've all joined. I walk around and make sure it's worked. And I also ask them to set up a folder in Google Drive. So I specifically show them, I want you to go into Google Drive, click new, click folder, write Spanish, your year group, and everything you do will be saved in there. Now we think as adults, oh, but they know how to do this. If I just say, create a folder in Google Drive, they're all brilliant at technology. They're not. They're not brilliant at technology. They're brilliant at Snapchat and they're brilliant at TikTok, but they are not brilliant at stuff like reminders and Google Maps and the things that we use every day that we think they all use. They don't. They use other stuff. So you've got to show them how to do things like this, setting up the new folder, and that's fine. Next, of course, is accounts that we use online to improve our Spanish and have contact with the language outside class. So in our school, we use Duolingo, Senor Woolly, and Quizlet. And I don't use Quizlet very much, to be honest, but a little bit. So again, it takes a bit of time, but you get them to set up their accounts in class when you're there and you gradually walk around. There'll always be one or two of a difficulty that can sign in, whatever. Now, if you're using Senor Woolly for Spanish or I think these French stuff as well now, 
really important that you get the students to write down their password in their homework diaries and in their Spanish notebook, both places, because they'll often forget them. These are not normal passwords in Senor Woolley. It's two avatars they have to pick and they'll forget them. And the only way to reset it is you as the teacher. So to avoid all those emails during the year, they write them in two places because sometimes they'll have forgotten one at school and they'll email you and go, I've not got my password. Anything like that that will make your life easy, take the time to do it and literally walk around your class and be like, show me where you wrote down the password because you just saying, write down your password on the inside cover of your book. They, a lot of them won't do it. Walk around and check, say, oh, you didn't write your password and that will save you time in the long run, I promise. Now, of course, the last couple of things are just to do with jobs, like how do we stack the whiteboards at the end of the day? Why it happens there? Because sometimes, a lot of the time actually, the students will walk out of class and the whiteboards and pens are all over the place because they're running to their next class. Now, this year I've made it very specific with my Mr. Whiteboards and Mrs. Pens, whoever they are. They have to check that at the end of class and I'm going to need to keep reminding them of that. So when I look and I'm going to keep saying, come on back, you got to do your job. And they'll then start to remind others to do that. But again, routines take time. you got to keep at it. Don't let it slip. If one class happens that the things are all over the place, the next class you make a note in your planner to talk to them about that and get Mr. Whiteboards and Mrs. Pens to make sure that they do it properly. The same with paper. Because they're using folders or ring binders in my class, they have loose leaf paper and I have a big stack of that. And they need to know where that is. What should they do to get it? I have a Señor Papel or Señora Papel, Mrs. or Mr. Paper, who hands them out. But it is not their job to hand out individual sheets. If you just need one, out of nowhere, you stand up, you go, you get paper, you sit back down. Because what used to happen was they'd be like, oh, I need paper, Mr. Paper, get me a sheet. And I don't want it to be like that. Their job is to put a big pile of papers when I say, can you distribute it to everybody? And then finally, number 12, I think, is... How does the class start? They need to know that early on. And if you do all of these things, like I said, my class starts with reading. If you do all of these things over and over again for those first few weeks, it feels like you're doing very little in terms of your content and you're not getting very far. But if you're doing it all in the target language, amazing, loads of comprehensible input, even though the language might be simple. If you've got beginners and you're just doing it half and half English and Spanish, you're translating a bit, you're doing a bit. That's fine. Like we did a lot of our invisible character yesterday with my beginners, but we also did some of this organization stuff and I had to do some of that in English. That's okay. We're setting up for the year. We're making sure that they're on the right track. By the end of next week, it'll be all in Spanish. Pretty much no English used in the class, just loads of comprehensible input. But all of these setup tasks are done. The Google folder's done, the Google Drive is done, the Duolingo account's set up. And when you're sick or you have to go off, everything is ready, it's all there. You set your cover work, Duolingo, Quizlet, send your Wooly, it's done. You've set all this up, they know what to do, they know where their books are, they know how to get them, they know how to enter the class. So really spend time on this, spend time on how do we enter the class, how do we start class and really do this over and over again. That's how I set up my year. So thank you so much to everybody for listening, for sharing and just for spreading the word and being so positive about the Motivated Classroom. It makes me motivated to come in here and record. So next week, I'm hoping to get to that really interesting conversation about 
explicit versus implicit grammar stemming from episode 50 with the wonderful Dr. Bill Van Patten and Dr. Karen Lichtman. So go and listen to that if you haven't and have a wonderful first few weeks at school. I hope it all goes well. And finally, a massive Gurumahagiv to all of my patrons and the people who support the podcast for all their crisps and coffee. The Irish phrase for today, remember, was... On will Kyadagum. Am I allowed to? Can I do? Can I do this thing? On will Kyadagum. Gurmila Mahagav, Agaslawanawalya. The Motivated Classroom Podcast is an original production by Liam Printer. I'm at Liam Printer on Twitter, and my YouTube channel is Liam Printer The Motivated Classroom. Full podcast notes with links to resources are available on my website, liamprinter.com. For more, find and follow the Motivated Classroom Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Graphics and music are provided by Paul Mahan. Intro clips are thanks to the wonderful multilingual staff at the International School of Lausanne.